the north end of the swamp and then entered a footpath crossing a farm leading in the direction of the spires of the city to the northeast. Again she climbed a fence and was on the open road. For an instant she leaned against the fence, staring before her, then turned and looked back. Behind her lay the land on which she had been born to drudgery and a mother who made no pretense of loving her. Before her, lay the city through whose schools she hoped to find means of escape and the way to reach the things for which she cared. When she thought of how she appeared, she leaned more heavily against the fence and groaned. When she thought of turning back and wearing such clothing in ignorance all the days of her life, she set her teeth firmly and went hastily toward Onabasha. On the bridge, crossing a deep culvert at the suburbs, she glanced around and then kneeling, she thrust the lunchbox between the foundation and the flooring. This left her empty-handed as she approached the big stone high school building. She entered bravely and inquired her way to the office of the superintendent. There she learned that she should have come the previous week and arranged about her classes. There are many things incident to the opening of school, and one man unable to cope with all of them. "'Where have you been attending school?' he asked, while he advised the teacher of domestic science not to telephone for groceries until she knew how many she would have in her classes, wrote an order for chemicals for the students of science, and advised the leader of the orchestra to hire a professional to take the place of the bass violist, reported suddenly ill. "'I finished last spring at Brushwood School, District Number 9,' said Elnora. "'I have been studying all summer.' I am quite sure I can do the first-year work if I have a few days to get started. Of course, of course, assented the superintendent. Almost invariably, country pupils do good work. You may enter first year, and if it is too difficult, we will find it out speedily. Your teachers will tell you the list of books you must have, and if you will come with me, I will show you the way to the auditorium. It is now time for opening exercises. Take any seat you find vacant. Elnora stood before the entrance and stared into the largest room she ever had seen. The floor sloped to a yawning stage on which a band of musicians, grouped around a grand piano, were tuning their instruments. She had two fleeting impressions. That it was all a mistake. This was no school, but a grand display of enormous ribbon bows. And the second, that she was sinking and had forgotten how to walk. Then a burst from the orchestra nerved her, while a bevy of daintily clad, sweet-smelling things that might have been birds or flowers, or possibly gaily dressed, happy young girls, pushed her forward. She found herself plodding across the back of the auditorium, praying for guidance to an empty seat. As the girls passed her, vacancies seemed to open to meet them. Their friends were moving over, beckoning and whispering invitations. Everyone else was seated, but no one paid any attention to the white-faced girl stumbling half-blindly down the aisle next to the farthest wall. So she went on to the very end facing the stage. No one moved, and she could not summon courage to crowd past others to several empty seats she saw. At the end of the aisle, she paused in desperation while she stared back at the whole forest of faces, most of which were now turned upon her. In a flash came the full realization of her scanty dress, her pitiful little hat and ribbon, her big heavy shoes, her ignorance of where to go or what to do, 
and from a sickening wave which crept over her, she felt she was going to become very ill. Then, out of the mass, she saw a pair of big brown boy eyes, three seats from her, and there was a message in them. Without moving his body, he reached forward and, with a pencil, touched the back of the seat before him. Instantly, Elnora took another step, which brought her to a row of vacant front seats. She heard laughter behind her. The knowledge that she wore the only hat in the room burned her. Every matter of moment, and some of none at all, cut and stung. She had no books. Where should she go when this was over? What would she give to be on the trail going home? She was shaking with a nervous chill when the music ceased, and the superintendent arose, and coming down to the front of the flower-decked platform, opened a Bible and began to read. Elnora did not know what he was reading, and she felt that she did not care.